Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Um, so today we're wrapping up uh, a kind of a four-week mini-series within our extended sermon series through the entire book of Ephesians. And friends, I cannot tell you, if you happen to miss any of one of the last three sermons, I can't encourage you enough to go back and listen to them because there's just so much there. They are so rich. And really, they form kind of the substantive content, if you will, of what I hope the encouragement is that we're all going to be able to grab a hold of and actually put into practice just 20 short minutes from now. So that's immediate application if I have ever seen it. Um, Because there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. One. Just one. So I'm currently taking a class called Intercultural Communication. So listen to the diversity represented in my class of just 20 or so students. There's men and women, young and old. We collectively represent um, New York, New Jersey, Indiana, Alabama, Ohio, Texas, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Connecticut, North Carolina. There's someone who was born in Thailand, was adopted by parents from Sweden, and is now living in the United States. Um, There is someone who is a Pakistani who married a woman from New York City. There are students who are either from or who used to or currently live in Ethiopia, Tanzania, Spain, Costa Rica, Venezuela, France, Switzerland, Iran, Greece, Afghanistan, and Denmark. One of my professors is from North Korea, but he spent 10 years of his life living in China. And little old me has been on mission trips to Uganda, Swaziland, and Mexico City. So we all come from incredibly diverse and different backgrounds, right? Experiences, denominations, education, We currently and certainly don't all agree on every theological point, you know, in Scripture. We have introverts and extroverts. We have some who love collaboration and the rest of us who just really love uh, a good individual competition. Um, We have some who are more task and productivity-oriented and some who are relationally driven. I could go on and on and on with how different We all are. But we unite around and we are uncompromising in our conviction that there is one body and one spirit. Just as we were called to the one hope that belongs to our call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So we're all taking this class because of the one commission that we have been given Every one of us knows that we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We know that we are to teach all the people from all the nations to obey all that Jesus taught us, who, when he became a man, was a Jew from Israel, by the way. So there's that. Uh, We know that the commission that Jesus gave us is a global one, and we want to be faithful to do our part. We know that one day we will together celebrate the completion of that commission because Jesus promised us that he would go and be with us to the very end of the age. 
And so when that day comes, there will be countless multitudes of people gathered around his throne, people from every tribe and language and people and nation, those who on this earth were as different as different can be, rich and poor, Democrat and Republican, white collar and blue collar, educated and uneducated, all sorts of denominations, Steelers and Browns fans. The unity among such staggering diversity will be absolutely beautiful, but every single eye will be on Jesus. That will be the invisible church made visible forever in the presence of the glory of God. Because as Paul wrote in chapter 1, the times will have reached their fulfillment. All things in heaven and on earth will have been brought together, united in Christ. That has been God's cosmic plan from before the foundation of the world. But the thing is, that kind of unity is what is to mark the church right here, right now. Paul urges us to make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We didn't create that unity. It exists because there is one body and one Spirit. Just as we were called to the one hope that belongs to our call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Our call is to maintain that unity. And that means that we must fully depend on the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to respond to one another in humility, gentleness, patience, and love. We've got to be ruthless to do whatever it takes to get over ourselves, to lay aside, to get rid of, to not be encumbered by anything and everything that so easily divides us and is not central to what it means to be united as followers of Jesus Christ. Church, it is shameful and ridiculous the kinds of things that we allow to come between and divide us as brothers and sisters in Christ. So last week, David referenced a passage in the book of John. Have you ever had that experience where maybe you've read something in the Bible that you've read a hundred times before maybe, but all of a sudden it's like you've never read it before. You see something that you never saw again. I remember that moment when I read this passage, which is Jesus' prayer. It was after the garden. He was in the garden of, well, he was in the garden of Gethsemane and it was as he was praying. First he prayed for himself, then he prayed for his disciples, and then he prayed for you and me, for the invisible church to come. And this is it. This is like his dying breath prayer, right? He knew he would be on the cross soon. And this is how he prayed. He said, I pray for those who will believe in me, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the whole world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you and me. So listen, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I remember thinking, wait a second, what? 
Because this is what struck me in a whole new way that day. That the unity of the church is what is going to convince the world that Jesus is who he says he is. That he was sent by the Father. And that God loves those who will believe in him just as as much as he loves Jesus. The unity of the church will either draw people to Jesus or our disunity will repel them. So what do you think is happening more these days? How is the visible church doing? I'm afraid we're not doing well at all. And and I'm not just picking on four mile. I'm talking about all kinds of people who are adamant that they are lovers and followers of Jesus Christ, but who get all bent out of shape and they grumble and they bicker over the kinds of music we sing or don't sing, the instruments we use or don't use, whether we baptize babies or adults, sprinkle or dunk, whether we use this kind of bread or that kind of wafer, wine or juice, this kind of governance or that, this version of the Bible or that one, Calvinist versus Arminian, this denomination, fighting with that one, fighting over a whole host of man-made traditions to the death, and they completely lose sight of Jesus altogether. Most of you know that I grew up here at Four Mile. I often refer to myself as a boomerang because I just keep coming back. They try to get rid of me, and I just circle back around, right? So I left for college, and a few years after I graduated from college, we landed here again. We were here for about three and a half years, then I left again for about 11, and then I came back. They can't get rid of me. I love this visible church called Four Mile. But when I was hired again back in 2016, there were two individuals who did not agree that I should be placed in the position of assistant pastor because I am a woman. And there has been debate and division in the church at large over how we interpret what the Bible says about women in leadership for 2,000 years. One man left for good. The other, he's still here. And he has been nothing but kind and gracious and encouraging and supportive of me and my family every day, single day from that day to this one. We don't agree on a fairly significant point of theology, but he has never let that come between us, and nor has he ever allowed it to become a point of contention or division with the elders of Formal, whose responsibility it is to make those kinds of decisions. That has never been lost on me. As a matter of fact, that is one of the things that I admire most about him. Because you know what it tells me? That he's humble that he's gentle and meek. He's patient and he bears with me. He bears with all of us, right, in love because he is eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I have a deep love and respect for my brother in Christ and I am confident that he has the same love and respect for me, his sister in Christ. And that's a beautiful, profound, and attractive thing. That's what Paul's talking about. That's the kind of unity that brings glory to God. Church, unity matters. It matters more than we can comprehend. It's attractive and it's compelling. It's a reflection of the Trinity. We worship one God in three distinct persons. 
The past three weeks, we've looked at the unifying work of the Holy Spirit, which is unique from the unifying work of the Son, which is unique from the unifying work of the Father. They are each a unique person, and yet they are united. They are one God. They are never divisive. It is impossible for them to be so. That kind of unity and oneness is exactly what we are called to reflect as a church. We are all unique individuals. We've got different personalities and gifts and life experiences. We think differently. We work differently. We sometimes even believe different points of theology. But we are one body. Every single person. Everyone with a role to play. And when we are each doing what God has designed us to do, kind of like when all the members of an orchestra play their instruments or all the individuals who serve in the military machine, as David called it last week, it's never about the glory of any one of us. And it's always about the glory of the one who directs and unites us to carry out our common mission, to go and make disciples. That's what we get to be a part of right here in this tri-state region. We may never step foot in another nation, but that does not mean that we are not part of fulfilling this global mission. But to do that, we must be united in Christ, rooted and grounded in love, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, which is what we have preserved in God's word for us to read and obey every single day with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone, the head of his church. So in just a few minutes, we're going to have an opportunity to worship as we do the business of church. Now that may make, that may make some of you bristle because church isn't a business, it's ministry. However, as you are hopefully becoming more and more familiar with by now, managing well and making godly decisions are two of the 12 pillars of the church as defined in the New Testament. So part of our worship as individuals and, and part of our discipleship, therefore part of our discipleship and worship as a congregation is to manage well and to discern and make godly decisions regarding our mission and our vision, as well as the money, facilities, and resources that have been entrusted to us as we obey the great commission that we've been given. So how does that work? Who gets to decide? Well, we are a Presbyterian church, and in the simplest terms possible, that just means that we are elder-led. That's it. And so those of you who are covenant partners have appointed elders to be ordained as the spiritual shepherds and leaders of this local congregation, this visible church. The staff, including David and myself, we don't just get to do what we want, right? Everything we do gets prayed over and approved by the elders first. They're not perfect. They don't know everything, but each one knows that he or she is to adhere to the qualification of elders as prescribed in scripture, and they have committed to prayerfully and faithfully leading this church for the glory of God and the good of each one of us. And so we, upon affirming their ordination, we've agreed to submit to their leadership. Now, that doesn't always mean that we're going to agree with them. That doesn't even mean that they always agree with each other. But what it does mean 
is that when a vote takes place or when a decision is made, we are 100% united behind it. Kind of like that man who didn't agree with my being hired. He's here. He's all in. He's 100% committed to the mission of Four Mile Church, right? And when those decisions are made, when those votes are cast, we give our all toward it. Whatever has been decided, whether it's a ministry initiative or a financial decision, if it fails or if it doesn't work out just as we hoped or planned, then we learn from it, right? We don't blame any one person. We trust in the providence and goodness of God to be faithful to us as we seek to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace in all of our ministry and administrative initiatives and responsibilities. It's what we're called to for the glory of God. So today, or any time in the future, if there happens to be something that you don't quite understand or if you don't agree with, that's okay. We welcome questions and conversation. We are always open to learning and improving. We don't ever, ever want to become complacent. We certainly don't want to be arrogant. But what I want to encourage you to do before you, um, you know, come and air those frustrations to everybody around you, what I want you to do is use these six verses in Ephesians chapter 4 as a check for your heart and mind. Ask God to shed the light of his truth into the depths of your heart, your soul, and your mind, Right? Before you air your frustrations, ask yourself, do I walk, do I want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling I have received? Have I completely humbled myself before God and my brothers and sisters in Christ? Am I embracing an opportunity to be gentle, exercising inner strength with the Holy Spirit's help to die to myself, even if that means I don't agree and I may even suffer a bit for it? Am I practicing patience? Am I willing to bear with all of you in love as you bear with me, right? The kind of love with which Christ has first loved us. These are the qualities that are essential to maintaining the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There will be no unity without them because there is one body and one Spirit. Just as we were called to the one hope that belongs to our call, one Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Church, there is no overstating or overemphasizing any of this. This is God's cosmic plan. And he has determined before the foundation of the world that we all get to be a part of it. And he has commissioned us to go and make disciples so that throughout the tri-state region and beyond, the glory of God is honored. Intimacy with Jesus is treasured. The Holy Spirit's fruit ripens in believers' lives. The holiness of God is revered. The goodness of God is relished. The truth of God is pursued. The faithfulness of God is trusted. The promises of God are believed. The grace of God is cherished. The wrath of God is feared. The commandments of God are obeyed. Humility abounds. The lost are found. Repentance and gratitude flow. Praise and prayer erupt. Lives and communities are transformed. Love and joy fill hearts. Freedom and forgiveness overwhelm. 
Barriers are broken down, the hungry are fed, marriages are restored, families are united, reunited, and prodigals come home. Amen. That is what we are to be about. We can't be about it until and unless we are united in Christ for the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an incredible thing it is to have your word, your living and active word available to us day in and day out such that your Holy Spirit can bring it to life within us that we might respond in obedience and submission to it. Lord, may that be so here at Four Mile Church. Jesus, you are our head. You and you alone direct us. We pray, Lord God, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to obey, that your kingdom might be advanced for your glory and our good. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.